Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up, what's up? My Take Radio, episode 29. I'm your host, Rich, and this is for Thursday, February 4th, 2010. Tonight's music was The Omen of Geneva. You can get that from ocremix.org. The artist is Neko Frog One, N-E-K-O, Frog, and the number one. The call-in number, 347-324-3541, to discuss any of tonight's topics or to just add anything to the show regarding some of the topics. A little bit fucked up, but you get the idea. 347-324-3541 is the magic number uh, to be involved with tonight's festivities. Nonetheless, let's get into a little housekeeping. Ads, of course. Top of the show, got to discuss the ads. If you go to mytakeradio.com, you'll see I put in uh, two small ads on the right side of the screen. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you could just click an ad not every day, but once in a while when you stop in, click an ad, help, it, help out the show, you know, help pay the bills, so to speak. No donations, nothing like that. Just click an ad. Most of them are usually in line with some of the stuff that the show covers, and um, it would be a great help. Um, if you haven't been by the MyTakeRadio.com forum, you definitely should stop by. It's very active. Um, Slick, Mortis, Bronx, and some of the other regulars on the show are very active in the forum talking about a bunch of stuff that isn't covered on the show or is just stuff that, while not major, is definitely significant for some of the things I cover. When you get a chance, stop in, mytakeradio.com slash forums. Uh, comments for the articles. Um, this week we've had some really great articles. Mortis put up an article about Strike Force. Uh, my fiance put up an article a couple of articles about Smallville. I've put up two regarding WWE and TNA. Definitely stop in, check them out. Um, don't just read them and run, folks. You know, leave, leave a comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like, if you agreed or disagreed. Um, helps the site move better and just allows us to engage you, the fan, a little better. So stop by, check out the articles, leave a comment or two, and just show us a little love. Uh, moving on. Uh, some of tonight's topics, we're going to recap Strike Force Miami that happened this past Saturday. We're also going to discuss the Royal Rumble, uh, the death of ECW. Uh, lots of sequel news, a couple of weird 3D film news that are coming out, and of course, your gaming news. With that, let's start off with a little MMA first. This past Saturday, we were treated to the Strike Force MMA event in Miami, and off the bat, I've got to say, Strike Force is definitely tightening up. Uh, their production, they're doing a really good job in terms of making the, the, the overall presentation look good. One thing that has been and will continue to be a gripe is the fact that the commentators are just god-awful. It's fucking bullshit. Um, 
you know, I like Mauro Ronaldo. He's a great commentator. Frank Shamrock adds his two cents to the overall broadcast. He also adds um, some fighter experience in terms of explanations. One guy who seems to annoy me frequently now is the quote-unquote fight professor, Stephen Quadros. Um, not to dispute the fact that he's knowledgeable about the fight game, because he is. It's just that some of the comments he makes and just some of the comments made during the overall broadcast, just they just let, you know, they're borderline bullshit. Um, at one point during the broadcast, there was a transition being done uh, between the two fighters, and pretty much the question was, what is that? And the response was, oh, I don't know. It's like, how are you comment, you know, doing commentary on, a, on an MMA event and you don't know what the fuck is going on? I don't know what that is. It's like, way to fucking be a tool. And on top of that, during the, women, the women's MMA title match uh, between Marlos Kunin and uh, Cyborg, uh, there was a portion of the fight where some foot stomps were being utilized. And rather than explain the significance of using the foot stomps or just give a little detail onto what part of the foot that affects and why it's legal. Um, the comment that was made was, oh, maybe she's stomping her foot because she doesn't like the comment of her nail polish. Not exactly something you want to hear on a uh, high-level event, especially something being broadcast to a diverse group of MMA fans, male and female alike. Um, my fiancé actually heard that comment, and even she was kind of annoyed. She's like, what the fuck is that? You know, that's not something, you know, it makes, it dumbs down the women's MMA uh, main event just on that basis alone. I personally couldn't have cared for the commentary either, and, you know, if that's something that you kind of feel on the DL, you know, that they shouldn't be fighting or whatever, don't let that translate into your professional work. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't work out the way people think and it just comes off looking, like I said, really petty and real bullshit. But nonetheless, let's get into some of the fights. Uh, the opening bout was between Bobby Lashley, uh, who of course is a former ECW champion as well as current TNA superstar. He was fighting Wes Sims, who you may remember was in this, pre this previous season of The Ultimate Fighter. Um, Bobby Lashley, of course, you know, a lot of similarities between, between him and Brock Lesnar. Um, internet columnists go as far as to call him Black Lesnar. I mean, both guys have great uh, wrestling backgrounds. They're just solid dudes. They're like fucking built out of granite. Um, the only thing is Bobby Lashley's inexperience did show a little bit. Um, he did shoot in for a takedown during the fight. And... You know, he just didn't have that that instinct to finish the fight. He he managed to, you know, once he got a, a, a top-mount position. But the overall, he just seemed a little bit lost. I mean, the guy's got four fights under his belt. He's not going to get it overnight, and that's to be expected. Nonetheless, a great job from Lashley. He won uh, TKO in round one. A couple of things about Wes Sims. Definitely give him credit for taking the fight on short notice. You know, very sportsmanlike thing for him to do. The only thing that bothered me from him was his commentary before and after the fight. You know, talking shit about Bobby Lashley's wrestling background in terms of professional wrestling. Talking about how Bobby Lashley was on the was on the juice uh, when the fight opened. He wanted to do a test of strength, like in the old WWF days when Hogan would do it with Andre the Giant. Just his his. 
I don't know, his professionalism was definitely lacking, especially for a guy with a 22-12 and 12 record. You'd think that he would carry himself a little bit more professionally. Don't get me wrong, a lot of professional wrestlers are going to come in and they're going to get a lot of shit just on the basis that they're coming into the MMA sport, you know, because it's the, it's, it's the popular thing, it's the in thing. But what people fail to realize is before professional wrestling, before MMA made it big, these guys were collegiate athletes that after they graduated college, they really had nothing else to do. They're either going to the Olympics, possibly teaching or coaching, and, and that was it. It ended there for them. A lot of these guys now, they're, they're going into professional wrestling because their amateur wrestling background helps add an air of realism to what you're watching on Monday nights or Thursday nights. Kurt Angle is a perfect example of that. On the same token, there's a lot of guys that see a better allure in MMA because they, they want to test themselves. They want to find out if they're, if they're that good. And, there, and there's no harm in that. There's no harm in guys like Brock Lesnar, guys like Bobby Lashley. Hell, even guys like Kurt Angle, who shouldn't get into an MMA cage at any length. These guys deserve a fair shot. It's a sport that, that's open to everybody. And if you're good enough and you have the talent to get there, you're either going to be successful or you're going to get the shit beat out of you so bad that you're going to quit. It's just the way it is. Nonetheless, definitely a great performance from Bobby Lashley. Second fight on the card, which I was really excited about, was ruthless Robbie Lawler. He was fighting uh, Melvin Manoff. Uh, first off, uh, Manoff came in just on fire. He was, for, for, uh, to put it lightly, he was whooping Robbie Lawler's ass. But he had one small flaw. He dropped his hands a lot. And when he dropped his hands, his jaw got caved in, and Robbie Lawler knocked him right the fuck out. Don't get me wrong. Lawler definitely took a beating. He was hobbling after the match, but the KO was just vicious. He, you know, Manoff was on the floor fucking bleeding. It looked like there was blood in his eyes and shit. It, it was ridiculous. But just a fantastic KO, definitely a, a statement fight for Robbie Lawler. He did his thing. Um, much props to him on his performance. I definitely want to see uh, Melvin Manoff fight again because he, he's a beast. He, he came out. I haven't seen a guy come out that fast to want to whoop somebody's ass in a long time, so definitely impressed with him. Uh, Greg Nudge was fighting Herschel Walker. Of course, Herschel Walker is 47 years old, for those of you that don't know, and this was his first mixed martial arts match. Um, Herschel Walker definitely showed a lot of enthusiasm in the fight. He showed a competitive spirit. Um, he went as far as to get in the guy's face, tell him, you know, come on, come on, let's fight. Um, Nudge, I don't know where the fuck they got him from. He was trying to do some weird dancing shit. It, it was ridiculous. Herschel Walker definitely got in the zone. His inexperience was definitely obvious, but his, his striking was solid. He knew how to block a takedown. Definitely impressive, to say the least. They ended up going the, the three rounds, and Walker took him in round three with uh, some solid shots from the top mount position. But... The fact of the matter is, Herschel Walker, you know, he donated his fight to charity. He, I, I think he'd make a great ambassador for the sport. Um, just, just an all-around class act. And his performance was good. There's rumors that he may not fight again. Um, but there are also rumors going around that he may do a second fight. I think that if he really applies himself, he, he'll do really well. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be championship material anytime soon, 
but he definitely showed a, a lot of promise for for an older guy. I, I you know I was really hesitant to support his decision. I still am to an extent, but boy did he fucking prove me wrong. He did his thing, and for that I applaud him. He landed 77 out of 106 strikes. Uh, he hit 69 strikes out of 91 on the ground. He did his thing, and it was you know definitely a, a great performance. Uh, the women's 145-pound title belt was contested, of course, between Sar- Cyborg and Marlos Kunin. Um, Cyborg just came in there and fucking put a beating. And mind you, uh, Kunin is, is well-known abroad for just being a, a, devastra- a devastating striker. She has a good ground game. Everybody thought she would be the, the hardest test for Cyborg, but definitely not. She got put to sleep real quick at the end of the third round. Um, and, of course, the main event was for the vacant Strike Force welterweight title between Nick Diaz and Marius uh, the Raging Demon Zaramskis. I'll go as far as to say that his highlight video uh, definitely shows that he's a Street Fighter fan. Pretty cool to see that. Nick Diaz, devastating striking, went out there and just put on a fucking clinic. He won the fight in round one via TKO. Diaz was... Um, you know, his usual uh, humble self, and, I'm, and I, I, I say that with quotes. Um, you know, he thanks Cesar Gracie, Nate Diaz, Jake Shields. He said he'll fight anybody pretty much. He also took the opportunity to uh, voice his displeasure at the recent loss that Nate Diaz had against Gray Maynard. Nonetheless, an overall solid card from top to finish, and I was just very impressed. Uh, following that, of course, in other Strike Force news, they're saying that her uh, cyborg's next opponent is going to be um, Aaron Tahill. According to Scott Coker, she's saying that she should be the next one to get a shot. Um, that fight probably won't happen till the late spring, early summer, and, but definitely not going to happen when Strike Force returns to CBS in April. Uh, Strike Force CEO Scott Coker also went out went out and put out some other interesting news. He actually talked about some possibilities of of some great fights in the near future, such as Gilbert Melendez versus Shinya Aoki for the lightweight title. Um, Bobby Lashley may be fighting Brett Rogers next, which would be a really great fight. I think Brett Rogers would be the best test for Bobby Lashley. We'll see if it'll be a wrestler versus striker. And um, just a solid fight. I actually think that that's co-main event right there. Uh, Nick Diaz may fight Hayato Sakurai for the Strike Force welterweight title. And, of course, uh, Cyborg and Aaron Tahill for the uh, Strike Force female title. But uh, he definitely went on to say that Melendez uh, versus Shinya Aoki will happen in the summer. Um, he wants to give Sakurai the first chance at Diaz welterweight title since Jay Haran's contract has ended and they're not sure if he'll be back. But nonetheless, I think that these fights, if these fights do happen, they're going to give Strike Force a lot of main events uh, for the time to come. Um, props to MMA Junkie. They actually confirmed the uh, the final events for UFC 111. Um, preliminary bout between Nate Diaz and Roy Markham was recently added to the card. The card is going to happen March 27th in Jersey. Uh, the fights on that card, solid top to bottom. I'm, it's, a, it's unfortunate I can't be there, but definitely a fight I'll be watching. It's going to be GSP versus Dan Hardy for the welterweight belt. Carwin versus Mir. There's a rumor that Tiago Alves may fight John Fitch. Uh, Martin Campman is fighting Ben Saunders. Mark Bocek and Jim Miller uh, finalized the main card. On the preliminary card, like I said, Nate Diaz and Rory Markham. 
Ricardo Almeida and Matt Brown, uh, Fabricio Camoz versus uh, Kurt Pellegrino. Just awesome fights. Ricardo Funch and uh, Matthew Riddle and Tomas DeWall versus uh, Rusamar Palhares. Definitely solid card, top to bottom. It's going to be worth the 50 bucks. Um, in continuing with some UFC news, um, they recently announced that they will be starting to broadcast their uh, pay-per-views in Spanish beginning next month with UFC 111. Dana White went on to say that for our fans who want to watch and listen to our UFC events in Spanish, we are not creating a show just for them in their language so they can enjoy the whole UFC experience from start to finish. So definitely props. I mean, you know, as for someone who's bilingual, it definitely has no, you know, it has no bearing on my decision to watch UFC events. But definitely, in, in you know, fe, you know, fellow uh, Hispanic listeners who are not good with the English language will be able to enjoy the show in Spanish. So definitely, props for the UFC to take it in that direction. <clears throat> in addition, UFC Fight Night 21 is going to be March 21st from wow from the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow, that is the craziest name for um, for an event center I've read in a long time. Uh, definitely a solid card on free TV. If you have Spike TV, I would advise you to check it out. Uh, the main event is going to be Kenny Florian versus Takanori Gomi. Recently added was Roy Nelson is going to be fighting Stefan Struve. Uh, Nate Quarry is going to fight Jorge Rivera. Gleason Tibau is going to fight Kyle Uno. And Ross Pearson is going to fight Dennis Siver. Uh, the preliminary card has some good fights to it. It has uh, Lucio Linares. He's going to fight Yushin Okami. And Cole Miller, Cole Miller excuse me, is going to fight Andre Winner. So definitely a solid card top to bottom. In some WEC news, which don't come often, they are making the big jump to pay-per-view. So congratulations, WEC, um, in making the big jump. Their first event is going to be live on pay-per-view April 24th. And it's going to have the featherweight title bout between Jose Aldo and Uriah Faber. Uh, the lightweight title will also be contested. Uh, ben Henderson is going to fight Donald Cerrone. And Mike Brown is going to fight Manny Gambirian. Definitely a solid card. If you're interested in ordering that on pay-per-view, it's going to run you 45 bucks. So with that being said, definitely props to the WEC for making the jump. I'm a little hesitant about ordering a WEC event on pay-per-view not because the card isn't solid, but it's just like if you order a UFC event that month and a WEC event, that's 90 fucking bucks, man. And, you know, times are hard. So nonetheless, though, props for uh, the UFC for giving the WEC a chance to make it. So definitely props for that. Um, Dana White confirmed at the UFC 109 press conference that the winner of Saturday's Nate Marquardt Child Shonen fight is going to get a middleweight title shot. And he also took the opportunity to confirm that Kimbo Slice will be fighting Matt Mitrione at UFC 113. So definitely great month of MMA. It's going to be a great few months for some fantastic fights. And with that, we're going to move into the wrestling segment right after this commercial break. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> Well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality, and 
devoid of fake laughter. Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on All Games. All right, and we're back. Let's talk a little wrestling, folks. This past Sunday was the WWE Royal Rumble, which usually is one of the better cards that they put out, usually second to WrestleMania. Um, the three big pay-per-views to me are always going to be the Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, and WrestleMania, just because those were the three big events in my childhood that I always made it a point to watch. Nonetheless, of course, the Royal Rumble took place this past Sunday, and I have to say I was pretty impressed with the overall card. Uh, the ECW title match between Christian and Ezekiel Jackson was surprisingly good. Uh, Christian ended up taking the win on that. Um, the U.S. championship match between The Miz and MVP was a, a solid match between both of those guys. I think that those two guys are going to be the future of this business. The Miz is definitely old school in terms of, uh, of just playing the real smarmy bad guy. I think all that real-world uh, road rule shit did him good. Um, MVP was great, as he always is. Definitely a solid performance. The only thing I, that kills me with MVP is that he has – the worst fucking generic finishing move ever. Nonetheless, I think that the match was solid from top to bottom, and these are two guys to watch in the near future. Uh, Sheamus and Randy Orton was for the WWE title. Sheamus, not a big fan. Randy Orton, I really thought, was going to take it. It ended up being a DQ win for Sheamus. Cody Rhodes got involved. Uh, Ted DiBiase got involved, and Randy Orton uh, ended up pretty much beating them both up. And it definitely has the seeds of a breakup for Legacy in the near future. Uh, rumors are already going around that the plan is for Ted DiBiase to fight uh, Randy Orton at WrestleMania. And, of course, Monday Night Raw added a little bit more to that particular rumor. So with that being said, it's really looking like Ted DiBiase is going to get the face turn to face Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Uh, the women's title match between Michelle McCool and Mickey James was your standard women's title match. Um, definitely lackluster. Not because of Mickey James, who's a solid wrestler, but Michelle McCool I'm not a fan of, and I just think that the overall match quality was really bad. Definitely would advise WWE to take a look at some of the TNA knockout matches and take notes, because they actually have somewhat of a grasp of what women's wrestling really is. Uh, Rey Mysterio defend, uh, fought The Undertaker, and we all know that Rey Mysterio was not winning that shit. On the contrary, it was, it was going to end up being The Undertaker probably just to add to his feud with or his potential match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania or just to, to add to the fact that legitimately Rey Mysterio is not going to beat The Undertaker, which, you know, it, anything can happen because it's fucking wrestling, but... On paper, Rey Mysterio wasn't going to win. The Royal Rumble match itself was uh, actually relatively exciting. It wasn't bad. I was pleasantly surprised that Beth Phoenix entered into the Royal Rumble. Um, she actually tried to do a GTS on CM Punk, which was also very impressive. Of course, she was unsuccessful. But nonetheless, her being in the Royal Rumble was pretty cool. Um, the overall presentation was solid top to bottom. A lot of great uh, near eliminations, as well as the the big surprise and the big reveal, which turned out to be that Edge 
made his return at the Royal Rumble and won the Royal Rumble by eliminating John Cena. Um, Edge, of course, continues to play up the, uh, the ultimate opportunist um, by solidifying his main event status in WrestleMania, so definitely props to Edge. Um, he was coming back from a torn Achilles tendon, which is a fucking terrible injury, so props to him for uh, making a uh, great recovery. And with that, Edge is en route to WrestleMania. Um, the PW Insider reported earlier this week that WWE Hall of Famer and former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Jack Briscoe passed away. Um, I actually remember watching some of his matches on some real old NWA shit that they used to give on TBS. Um, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame recently with Gerald Briscoe, who was, you may know as one of the guys that was always running around with Vince McMahon, a.k.a. one of the flunkies. Nonetheless, they were both inducted in 2008. Um, definitely would like to extend my condolences to uh, the friends and fans of Jack Briscoe. Nonetheless, moving on, um, we actually got our first main event for the WWE El Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, which is coming up next, uh, courtesy of the Raw brand. Uh, the Elimination Chamber for Raw will be Sheamus versus Triple H versus John Cena, Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase, and Kofi Kingston. I definitely probably see it being either Sheamus retaining, pinning Triple H. Uh, Ted DiBiase is definitely going to cause Randy Orton to not win the belt. So th they're, they're definitely setting up a lot of potential uh, feuds right in the Elimination Chamber match. And, of course, as I said at the beginning of the show, Vince McMahon made an appearance on ECW recently, as a matter of fact, on Tuesday night's broadcast, and said that the ECW brand will be no more. Um, at the end of this month, ECW will be pretty much destroyed, and it will be a new next generation of programming for WWE. Um, pretty much the, the, what's going to end up happening is that ECW will be rebranded as WWE NXT, standing for WWE Next Generation. So definitely a uh, moment of silence for ECW. I actually, and I'm going to go into this a little bit further, I'm actually somewhat glad that they're just killing off the ECW brand. ECW hasn't been ECW um, since pretty much since WWE took over. I thought that they were going in the original ECW direction with the one-night stand pay-per-views, uh, Rob Van Dam winning the belt, um, the nostalgia that surrounded it, the, the, the care and concern that the ECW originals gave to the brand and how much they tried to grow it, but it wasn't meant to be, unfortunately, and um, Vince McMahon took it upon himself to bastardize the legacy of ECW by creating the new ECW, which isn't terrible, but it, I honestly would have rather that Tommy Dreamer, when he retired, would have won the ECW belt and he would have retired with the belt. Just to close it out, I think it would have been a more fitting storybook ending for the brand than just saying, we're killing off the brand at the end of the month, and uh, fuck you guys. It, it leads to a lot of questions. The ECW title, I'm more than sure, will become the NXT belt. Nonetheless, what happens to guys like Christian, um, veterans like William Regal, Gold Dust, do those guys get move to different brands? Are they going to help grow the next generation brand? What happens with those guys? I mean, they were definitely going 
in the direction of, you know, the Edge and Christian reunion just based on what happened at the Royal Rumble and some other things which I don't want to spoil. Nonetheless, it's definitely a sad day for those that were fans of the original ECW to see it be put to sleep, so to speak, in such lackluster fashion. Nonetheless, I think that it wasn't it was never going to be the original ECW. So, with that being said, I take solace in the fact that I, I still have the old ECW DVDs to remember, and there, there were a lot of fond memories watching those growing up. Moving on, WWE took the opportunity this week to list the remaining guest hosts for the month of February as well as some of March. Um, of course, February 8th, NASCAR driver Carl Edwards is going to be hosting. That will be a show I will not watch live. Uh, February 15th, Jerry Springer will be hosting it. February 22nd, it's going to be Grammy Award-winning singer Jewel and her bull-riding champion, I think, husband Ty Murray are going to host it on February 22nd. Jewel is hosting Raw. Jewel. It's going to be fucking dreadful from start to finish. Cheech and Chong are hosting March 1st. I have a feeling that that one's going to be very, very, very funny. And magician Chris Angel, March 8th. I have a feeling that that, that, could, that can either be really shitty or really good. And, of course, March 15th, Austin 316 returns to the WWE to host Raw on March 15th. And to close it out, um, Rob Van Dam, who hosts a show on the Blog Talk Radio Network, as a matter of fact, it airs, I believe, it aired yesterday, as a matter of fact, at, I believe it's 10 o'clock. I didn't get a chance to listen yesterday. Um, during his show, received a call from none other than Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan called into Rob Van Dam's show to try and uh, woo Mr. Monday Night or the whole fucking show to TNA. Somehow, of course, Hulk Hogan ended up on the air, and he was trying to get Rob to go. And just, just the hard sell and name dropping, and Rob Van Dam was asking if uh, they will be moving to Monday nights. Hogan stated that TNA was moving to Monday sooner rather than later. I think that, I don't want to say that it was scripted, but I think the fact of the matter is that I got to give Hogan credit for taking the balls and just calling into Rob Van Dam's show, coming into his playground, and pretty much, you know, making an open invitation, inviting Mr. Monday Night to appear on TNA's uh, impact. Now, Will, what, like I said, is it all a setup? Who knows? But definitely a great way to get exposure for RVD Radio on Blog Talk Radio, as well as um, showing that Hulk Hogan ain't fucking around. He's going out there and trying to get talent. If any of you went to MyTakeRadio.com, you'll see my armchair booker uh, column about my thoughts on TNA and Hulk Hogan's involvement. I will say, like, a, and I've said it before, I don't mind him being a quote-unquote boss in TNA and being an on-screen personality. I just feel that, really, just if you're going to be like a GM or some kind of shit, I don't need you on my fucking TV for the whole duration of the, of the broadcast. Keep your old ass in the back, make matches, maybe do a promo or two, 
but but keep it that I should only see you 15 minutes. I shouldn't have to see you 17 times in two hours. It's fucking. It's not Hulk Hogan's impact. It's TNA impact. And that time that you're taking to fucking talk whatever shit you're gonna talk, you're taking it away from young athletes and up and coming superstars who definitely have a lot more to offer than uh, a bleach blonde skullet and really tight Ed Hardy shirts. I think that Rob Van Dam going to TNA is, is would be huge any which way, either as a superstar in the X Division or just main event level feuds with guys like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and Christopher Daniels. So I really hope that Hulk Hogan works his magic and convinces Rob to sign with TNA in the near future. With that being said, we're going to go into some gaming news right after this commercial break. BornStubbornRadio.com. That's where you'll find our radio show. Rich, you dig it, don't you? Yeah, man. He digs it. How come you don't dig it? Fuck you. Get on the internet. BornStubbornRadio.com. Rat bastards. Hey, this is Rachel from MMA Hot Stuff, and you're listening to My Take Radio. All right, and with that, we're back. Before we talk um, about some video games, definitely got to give a little shout-out to Don Anderson uh, from Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com. Um, the reason I wanted to give him the shout-out mid-broadcast is because he submitted – um, his own commercial for his own show, which I did not get a chance to upload. My apologies to Mr. Anderson. His commercial will be airing next week. Um, I also got a new commercial for Born Stubborn Radio because I am sure that many of you are tired of hearing the same fucking two bits, and we will be getting more lead-ins in the near future. So figured I'd share that with you guys before we talk some video games. First off, those of you that have... GTA 4 on the PS3 and hated on Microsoft for having the exclusive content, guess what? It's not exclusive anymore. Grand Theft Auto episodes from Liberty City will be making its way to the PS3. Rockstar said that the disc will include both The Lost and the Damned and The Ballad of Gay Tony downloadable episodes from GTA 4. You will be able to get that on the PS3 as well as Windows on March 30th. Right now, you can also they will also be available to download on the PlayStation Network and games for Windows Live at the same time, which is pretty cool. I think that the uh, PlayStation 3 owners were missing out on some, some great GTA 4 content with The Lost and the Damned and The Ballad of Gay Tony, so definitely props to, for Rockstar for doing the right thing. And not only that, but just continuing to make more fucking money because right now you're going to get the the PlayStation 3 audience to add a little more playing time to their copies of GTA 4 instead of letting it collect dust in the corner. Definitely a wise, mood, a wise move by Rockstar, so props to them. Moving on, Mass Effect 2 came out recently, and it has already moved 2 million copies in three days. Uh, BioWare's co- co-founder, Dr. Ray Muzuka, confirmed that he is happy with those numbers. I'd be too. That's fucking 2 million copies of 60 bucks a pop in three days. Definitely good. Not Call of Duty Modern Warfare numbers, but definitely solid nonetheless. Uh, I haven't checked the switchboard. Oh, good. All is quiet. Moving on, Nintendo's president, Satoru Iwata, confirmed something that blew my fucking mind when I read it. He announced that lifetime sales of the Wii have surpassed those of the original NES, and that the DS has now outsold the original Game Boy. 
The Wii is now Nintendo's best-selling home hardware of all time, and the DS is the best-selling hardware, period. Iwata said the following, and I quote, Needless to say, these are just two milestones of a larger journey in our efforts to reach the ultimate goal of bringing one home console to every household and one handheld to every person. Pretty much, they have sold 67 million Wii units were sold at the end of December. The lifetime sales for Nintendo for the original NES were 61 million units. So they've already outsold the NES by an additional 6 million units. The DS has, has sold 125 million units as of December compared to the lifetime of Game Boy sales, which was 118 million. Nintendo is definitely making major strides. I mean, the hardware is definitely the selling point for Nintendo because, like I say, and I say it every broadcast, their, their software offerings are not the greatest, but damn, you know, you can't beat the fact that they sold the DS as the number one selling handheld, period, which is, which is awesome. I think that the DS has a stronger library than the Wii, I really hope that that changes in the near future just because the Wii is such a – it really is such an innovative and, and cute little system that shouldn't be relegated to just being broken out when you want to play the occasional uh, bit of Wii sports. It should, it should actually just be another console, another console that shares space with the 360 and the PS3 in terms of, of game time. I, I don't think that it should be relegated to something that's broken out once in a blue moon. And I really hope that Nintendo continues to put in the work, so to speak, and put out quality software and not, you know, Monkey Ball 17 or Chicken Shoot or Let's Raise Puppies or Let's Rape Horses, whatever the fuck they put out. They should take the time and focus on some of their great, great first-party offerings to continue moving Wii and DS units into the near future. So definitely props to Nintendo for reaching that milestone. Of course... Um, Microsoft comes out, and they want to beat their chest and make a little announcement of their own. And their newest announcement is that Japanese consumers will be able to get a standalone 250-gig hard drive as of March 11th. It's going to retail for about $173 um, U.S. It's going to be 15,540 yen. Um, there's no release date or even confirmation that we're going to get it here in America. I honestly think that a 250-gig hard drive for $173 is a load of shit. If Microsoft thinks people are going to pay that, they are on fucking crack. A 250-gig external hard drive is like 40 bucks, 50 on a good day. Hell, there, there are days, and I, I think I even saw one Black Friday, you can get one for like $35. What the fuck do they think people are going to do? That they're going to run out and buy it because they need more space. I don't even think that the 120 gig hard drive I have now on my Xbox 360 is full. I honestly think this is just really, really poor, poor fucking ways for Microsoft to take our money. I honestly think that Sony had it right with the PS3, that you can swap out your hard drive, add more space, and do whatever you wanted to do to the system and they gave you the tools to do it. Microsoft thinks that their little proprietary hard drive and all their bullshit is going to continue to sell at the rate that it has. 
we're in a fucking quote unquote recession. Nobody's going to pay $173 for a 250 gig hard drive when you can pay a fraction of that and get something for the fucking PS3. I really think it's a load of shit and they really need to do something about this pricing. If they're going to put that 250 gig out in America, it it needs to be I I can stomach it being 100 bucks if they want to, you know, go into that three-digit range, but nearly $200 for a fucking 250-gig hard drive is utter bullshit. And with that, we have our first call. You're on the air. What's up, man? What's going on? Always the first, huh? Yeah, started talking about the Wii and started talking about Microsoft bullshit. Had to call in. By all means, share with us what you have to say, sir. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm happy that the Wii is doing as well as it, it should because hopefully sometime in the console's lifetime, somebody's going to say, hey, let's start putting out some games that people want to buy. And, um, I mean, I'm sorry to hear that a title that a lot of people who were kind of pulling for the Wii got canceled, that game The Sadness, which... We never even really got to see very much of. Um, the only thing I'm really, I'm still mad about with the Wii, other than the library, is the the choice of the the SD card slot. Because honestly, a lot of the previous Nintendo consoles came out with a peripheral that could play the portable games. And I mean, shit, they could have just put a DS card slot there and made blank blank cards for memory cards. Yeah, they could have done that. I mean, the DS games, if you look at them, are very, um, they almost look like an SD card. Yeah, they're not much bigger. They're, they're a little bit wider than an SD card. You would have had an instant, you know, DS player right there. And that's extra value to your console right there. That is true, but I can give you, I can give you an easy explanation for that. When the Game Boy Player came out at the time, the Game Boy SP and things of that nature, they were really trying to marry the Wii with those, I mean the Wii, the GameCube with those portable consoles at the time. What they ended up doing now is they really just wanted to give the Wii its own identity. And in doing so, they didn't want to, excuse me, they didn't want to cannibalize on the sales of DS titles or DS hardware. Besides the fact that any game... Any I was going to say they really screen. wanted to release all those extra DSs like this DS XL is coming out. Well, that's one thing. But the other thing also is I really am having difficulty understanding how that would translate, especially with dual screen games. I mean, is it going to split the picture on your TV set and allow the Wii, the Wii mode to function as the stylus? I think that will work for a little bit, but I don't think it's going to have the same appeal as just the handheld console does. I mean... Personally, I don't mind them having things separate. I just feel that the DS gets a little bit more love in terms of the, the games that they put out. The Wii seems to just focus on the interactivity aspect and fails to capture, you know, the titles that, that sell a lot. Why isn't it why is Mario the only game that breaks the million get the million sale mark? You know, it's because First-party titles are successful. Now, either you need to crack whip on first-party developers to get those titles out there, 
or you need to start finding third-party developers that are willing to port their titles to the Wii. Or they got to make a more powerful Wii. I wouldn't say port. I, I, we need to see more original IPs on the Wii because the ports yeah, but end I mean, up being really shitty. Well, that's but that's only because the ports that they do, they try and kind of fork the the Wii's uh, control scheme into an existing IP. What they got to do is they really got to take games that you can't do Madden on the Wii. I don't give a fuck what you say. Um, if you're using motion controls with the Wii mode for Madden, it's really not the same as playing it on the 360 or the PS3. So what they really need to do is just shy away from that and move into other things that can benefit a little further. First-person shooters, I think, are a great thing that will benefit on the Wii in terms of, of the Wii mode. Whether, you know, if you want to do a gun shell or not, it doesn't matter. But just using the, the Wii mode and even the analog stick, first-person shooters should be able to be played with ease. Why they're not going that route, don't know. You know, I, I I'm tired of seeing... Go ahead, let's hear it. The problem of the the um, the online. Because all the people that make first-person shooters want to have the big... You know, they want to boast the big online matches. I mean, Mag just came out. 256 online... 256-person online multiplayer. You're not going to pull shit like that off with the Wii. Well, that's also that's also a fact that they're they're thinking in terms of just the the web in general and community based gaming is very antiquated. They're they're preaching that the Wii brings people together in a realistic setting. You know, it's a fun party system. But you know what? You don't always want motherfuckers in your house to play with your shit. Sure don't. You know, that's not that's not something you always want to do. Sometimes you just want to hop on meet up with a few friends online from across the country, and go out and kill something or, you know, do whatever. It, it doesn't always have to be, oh, let's all go over to so-and-so's house. I mean, it's cute that Nintendo wants to do that, and, oh, we can all be friends and play together, and that's cute. But you know what it is? They're losing that market that likes to play online. This friend code shit, I've never done it. I've never done any of that going online with the Wii and trying to play against anybody. No. Because it's fucking impossible. You need a friend code. You need a fucking PIN number. You need a credit card number. You, you need all this shit. Whatever happened, to, here's my, my, my ID. What's your ID? Let's play. What the fuck happened? Why can't they do that? No, they got to be super different. They have to protect the children. Fuck that. What do you want, <laughs> a fucking fingerprint? You want a fingerprint on the fucking Wiimote when we play? How about that? Why don't you let me breathe on it? Maybe that'll do it. It'll have like a breathalyzer. It's fucking stupid. It is, it is beyond, it is really, really beyond me how, they, how they've gone this far and been this successful with just such, I don't know, such, such antiquated thinking in terms of just new technology. I don't know how they're so fucking successful, I swear. I think fucking Iwata made a deal with the devil or something, dude, because... That's beyond me. You never know. Yeah, stranger things have happened. Anything else, this, my friend? Yeah, it's Microsoft bullshit. <laughs> Let's hear it. I'm still amazed that nobody has freaking, well, I guess maybe they just haven't, somebody was smart enough not to advertise it. 
that nobody's freaking made a freaking plastic case that looks like that bullshit freaking that you slap slap on top of your 360 and put a freaking laptop hard drive in that bitch because that's all it is and a piece of plastic with an extra peripheral sticking out of it. I'm looking at a freaking laptop hard drive, 250 gigs for $50 right now that I could slap Bad, into a, a PS3 right now. But they want, what did you say, 173 bucks? Yeah, that's what it translates from uh, from yen to U.S. dollars. I got a translation. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, tra- the translation is fuck you. But you gotta you gotta look at it this way. The mi- and then they go and they release it in Japan. Microsoft isn't doing so well over there. It's an American product. You know, yeah, people are playing, but it's it's not Wii numbers or even PS3 numbers for that for that matter. And and this whole shit about oh you got to use our proprietary hard drive and you got to use this proprietary shit and that proprietary shit, it's getting really old really quick. I actually thought that when they started releasing consoles with a 250 gig hard drive, that that was going to be the standard. And if you wanted to upgrade, you know whatever you'd pay. What all right? If you want to do it in Microsoft mind in in a Microsoft mindset, you want a 250 gig hard drive, it's a hundred bucks. You can transfer your saves to that one and keep it moving. Sounds a little bit more plausible, a little bit more understandable. When you're fucking dipping into nearly a $200 for a hard drive, that's a fraction of the size of most of the shit that you can buy for a PC or even a laptop, it blows my mind. Like you said, you can go online and look at a laptop hard drive for the same size for 50 bucks. How the fuck does that happen? Nobody fucking knows. I don't know who in Microsoft marketing keeps saying this is a good idea. But but the fact, the one thing you said that's wrong is that while it won't be like hotcakes, the shit will sell. Cause it people will sell, are but stupid. that's because. Well, yeah, it will sell, but you you have to consider that a lot of us that put our that pour our money into these systems. You know, we have jobs, we have freedom of choice. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of kids are still playing also. But a lot of kids don't really apply that much use to the hard drive. You know, the people that are going and buying TV episodes and shows and movies, that's us. Not the kids. The kids probably are still on 60-gig hard drives. It's us because we're the fucking sheep. That's what that is. So we we really got to take a stand on it. I wouldn't honestly buy it. I don't even think my hard drive right now is full. So fuck them. I don't need a 250 gig hard drive unless that sh- unless my system fucking implodes and catches on fire. I don't need it. So fuck you. You can keep your 173 dollar drive and stick it up your ass. <laughs> Period. Doesn't make any sense. Right, Anything man. else, my friend? Well, I think I just went over everything you just went over, so I don't have anything else go. for right now. All right. All right, talk to you later, man. You got it. Thanks for the call. Later. Thanks. And, of course, we got a lot more numbers coming in. Uh, congrats to UFC Undisputed and THQ for achieving platinum hit status. 
on the Xbox 360 and greatest hit status on the PS3. The game has now shipped 3.5 million units worldwide, and it's now available for $29.99. So if you haven't picked up UFC Undisputed, I would definitely recommend you check it out. Definitely a great, great game. Um, captures the essence of the UFC as well as the essence of MMA fighting in, in a perfect virtual environment. Really well done, and I can't wait for UFC 2010, which comes out May 25th. So, you know, if you got 30 bucks, you want to try something a little different, definitely check out the UFC game. It is really fun. And props to THQ for making that milestone of 3.5 million units. And, of course, got to give props to THQ and Vigil for Darksiders, shipping 1.2 million copies worldwide. Um, definitely props to Hayden and Han and the rest of those guys. At Vigil, um, if you're on Twitter and you follow those guys or Darksiders, definitely congratulate them. It is a great milestone for a new IP. I'm almost done with Darksiders. It is a great game. I'm working with THQ to get Caden and Han back so we can discuss uh, the, second, the second stage of Darksiders, so to speak, if they're able to talk about it, as well as some of the stuff from the first game. So props to those guys for making a great game. And definitely I want to compare those numbers to – Bayonetta, just because I picked that up as well, and I'd like to see just how how they compared to each other for you know being similar and being released on the same day. So definitely something to look forward to. A few episodes back, I discussed Project Needle Mouse, which of course is the code name that they use for Sonic the Hedgehog. Nonetheless, Project Needle Mouse has evolved into Sonic the Hedgehog Four. Sonic 4 will pick up right after Sonic and Knuckles and begins a new story arc. It's pretty much going to be known as Sonic the Hedgehog 4, Episode 1. And it's going to have other episodes probably going forward. I don't know how many episodes are going to be in, in number 4 before they go to 5, but they're going to go back to the 2D graphics on a 3D plane, so similar to the way Street Fighter 4 was done and you're going to be able to pick that up on the PS3, 360, and the Wii as downloadable content. So definitely something to look forward to. I'm very excited just to see them going back to the formula that made Sonic successful. All this other shit with the Werehog and the Black Knight and all this shit, all it did was really sully the franchise name, and they just ruined a, pre a really good game. They just started adding all this extra shit. It's like, look. You're a blue motherfucker with red sneakers that runs really fast. You get a whole bunch of rings. You fight these bosses against a fat balding guy with a fox that has two tails who's bipolar that flies behind you. It, it's really not that difficult to, to make that work. I actually think that going back to this medium will not only introduce Sonic to a new generation, but definitely make it move forward in terms of fan base, because a lot of us just, we quit after Sonic and Knuckles. I'm one that I haven't played a Sonic game since then. So, definitely props to Sega for going in that direction. Uh, the Wii version, of course, is going to run in 480p, and for the 360 and the PS3, it will be running at a full 1080p. Um, they're also going to allow Wii owners to use motion control uh, to control Sonic, and the PS3 is going to be able to use the 6-axis, and the music is going to be remixed, and there's also going to be a lot of uh, things going on with other Sonic games. There's even a rumor where they will be redoing 
the first three Sonic games into a 3D on, on 2D background. We'll see how that goes. I, I'm just excited to see a, a new Sonic game um, coming to the forefront that doesn't have any gimmicks or any crazy shit and just has what we've known and enjoyed for years. So definitely looking forward to it, Sega. I can't wait to see what you guys are planning on doing. Um, the debut trailer will probably be up within the next week or so. Um, hope maybe by this weekend we'll see if it's uh, legit and if I can post it on the site with no problems. Sony posted some third quarter financial results earlier today. Uh, the Slim PS3 and the price cut have done a, a, a great movement for the company. They've moved a lot of units. Uh, they sold 6.5 million PS3s uh, worldwide as of December 31st. That's an increase of 2 million year since last year. Software sales went up as well from 40.8 in 2008 to 47.6 in 2009. Um, but, older, but older systems, definitely, you're starting to see a drop. PSP unit sales went down from 5.1 million to 4.2 million. And software, you know, the software for the PSP held pretty steady. PS2 hardware saw a small drop, finally, from 2.5 million down to 2.1. But the PS2 software, nobody's buying PS2 games anymore, uh, went from 29.7 million down to 11.2 million units. But the fact of the matter is that the PS3 is finally starting to become profitable for Sony. I think that if they just tweak the online component a little bit more, um, it, it'll help definitely push them over the top in terms of unenjoyable experience as a whole. I'm also wanting to know if people are buying more Blu-ray if they own the PS3. I, I don't have a dedicated Blu-ray player, and I've definitely bought a lot more Blu-rays in, you know, since I've owned a PS3. I think that if I would have had a dedicated player, I wouldn't have bought as many movies. But I'd really like to see a breakdown of those numbers. Maybe I can pull some strings and get something. But nonetheless, definitely good to see Sony making some profit. It's always nice to see. Let's go into some movie news. And boy, are there some crazy things. Off the top, MTV spoke with uh, Clash of the Titans director Louis Leterrier, and he had, he had a lot of crazy things to say about this brand new remake. First off, there he's contemplating making Clash of the Titans a franchise. He stated in the interview, and I quote, I'd love Clash to be a franchise. You've got so many creatures, so many heroes, and so many gods. Um, you just have tons of amazing stuff. You've got several worlds. I could spend the rest of my life directing Greek mythology movies and would still not finish everything. Um, he said that the movie is something where the adventures of Perseus can be split and done into one or two more sequels. Um, he's saying that it's, he doesn't know if it's going to happen, but it's definitely a direction he'd like to take. So definitely something I'd look forward to. I mean, it is true. Greek mythology has some great stories. I mean, the uh, Hercules' stories alone are uh, just a fantastic read, and I think they translate well, especially nowadays into film. Um, Perseus, of course, is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, they're already, they've done things with Troy. I, you know, as much as I'm hesitant to approve of this remake, I, I'm definitely seeing some shade that it, it won't be as bad as I think it is, so... Hopefully it won't be awful. 
Now, in a bit of what-the-fuck news, veteran erotic film director Tinto Brass, who made Caligula, is getting ready to produce the world's first 3D adult movie. The director thinks that with the popularity of the technology at an all-time high thanks to Avatar, that the time is right to bring it to the adult genre. He plans to start filming in May or June at the latest. I, I, can't, even, I can't even come up with anything to describe just the visual I just had of just a 3D pornography is just blowing my mind. It's, it's, it's awful. It really is going to be some scary shit. It's like a 3D boner. Uh, uh, forget it. Nonetheless, uh, if you thought that I got those news just from some bullshit website, that, my friends, came from Yahoo. So, yeah, Yahoo reported that the guy who made Caligula wants to do a 3D porno. That's all, that's all I want to say. And I got a little bit of news about Captain America. Um, they're saying that they're going to start the film taking place in 1942 and 43 during World War II. They're going to go a little bit into some of the 60s and 70s stuff, and they're also going to jump a little bit into the 40s. Um, definitely looks like Captain America is going to be a period piece, and it'll probably end in the present. But expect to see a lot of the World War II stuff just because that's the uh, – the, the you know that's where Captain America's origin is is seriously based. They're, you know if, if they start tweaking that, it it may throw off a few things. So definitely stick with the overall uh, Captain America origin and then tweak it going forward. Let's talk some box office numbers. It's not no surprise Avatar was number one again. Edge of Darkness debuted at number two. One in Rome was number three. Tooth Fairy was number four. The Book of Eli was five. Legion dropped four spots to six. The Lovely Bones was number seven. Sherlock Holmes just keeps fucking killing the game. It's made $197.5 million. The movie had a budget of $90 million. Super successful. They're already working on a sequel. Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel, earned $4 million. It's made $209.2 million. The film had a budget of $75 million. I guarantee you there will be a third one. It has to happen. And mind you, that's not even factoring in DVD sales yet. It's complicated, fell one spot to number 10. So Avatar, as of right now, with the $30 million it made, has $594 million thus far. Its worldwide total is $2.3 billion, and it is now officially the number one movie of all time. And it has a lot of... A, it's not even slightly over Titanic. It is a lot over. Titanic was at $1.8 and $2.3 is a huge fucking difference. In addition, Avatar has been number one for seven straight weekends. So unless something serious fucking comes out, we're, we're not going to see that move for a long time. Unless they take that shit out of the theater and throw that shit on Blu-ray and um, DVD. Um, of course, wouldn't be a movie segment without some sequel talk. Uh, Universal Studios wants to produce more Jason Bourne movies. Director Paul Greengrass did not want to do a fourth movie, and neither did Matt Damon. Damon did state to Empire Online that 
they're probably going to do a prequel of some kind with another actor and another director before we decide to do a fifth one. I think we're probably another five years away from doing it. We've got to get a script. So Matt Damon let the cat out of the bag, and they're going to do a Bourne prequel. Does anybody give a shit about why Jason Bourne is the way he is? I mean, I'm more than sure they'll do a good job with it, but does anybody really give a fuck? On the contrary, I'd rather wait a few years and see a fifth one than go the, the stupid route and go back and tell the origin. doesn't make any sense. Just wait. Leave it at, leave, make a fifth one and keep it at that. It's, it's bullshit. A prequel. Who gives a shit on why Jason Bourne is what he, what he is? No one cares. People just want to see Matt Damon whoop, whoop people's asses. That's it. Of course, little Sam Raimi news. IESB reported that Sam Raimi is looking to get back into the superhero movie business. And the project he would like to do, The Shadow. That's right. He left Spider-Man, for whatever reason, to do The Shadow. The Shadow is currently being worked on it with Sony. And um, he's saying that he loved the character and he would love to get back into the director's chair ASAP. And he feels that the latest draft looks promising and that he may be making this his next project. So, you leave Spidey, for whatever reason. I mean, it could have been him or it could have been Sony, to do The Shadow. The Shadow's a cool character. I'm not going to shit on him. I really, I, you know, I think that the movie with Alec Baldwin had a lot of flaws, but it also had a lot of things that were definitely cool. And I think that to try and mainstream this character all over again, I don't see it being successful. In keeping with the sequel theme, Avatar 2 is already in motion. Um, they're saying that the film is going to focus on an all-out war, and it's going to take place on Pandora. I'm assuming it'll probably be the Na'vi fighting the humans, um, unless they plan to introduce some other weird non-blue motherfuckers into the equation. How about some red ones? How about some red fish-looking dudes? How about the Na'vi are at war with the Snorks? I think people will watch it. Just do big, life-sized Snorks coming out of the fucking water, fighting the Na'vi, and then the humans getting caught in the middle. I think it has money written all over it. How about it, James Cameron? How about the Na'vi versus the Snorks? Let's do it, because honestly, for, for the movies to be that successful with just the most far-fetched-looking characters ever, why not just throw some other randomness in there? Just throw some snorks in there. How about it? It'll be the snorks against the blue dudes with the humans in the middle in an all-out battle for supremacy. I'd watch it. Oh, and it has to be an IMAX, and it has to be 3D, because everything has to be in 3D. Everything. Even porn, based on what you just heard. But gets better. For fans of the Underworld franchise, they will be doing a third Underworld movie. And what's it going to be in? You guessed it, 3D. But it's been confirmed that Kate Beckinsale will be returning. And uh, she is pushing the idea of passing the torch to a new lead um, so that she can step away from the franchise and her role will be reduced. The film is due out January 21st, 2011, and Len Weissman is set to direct. So I think Underworld in 3D would be interesting. And I think that there's enough of a great storyline in that franchise to move it forward. I don't think the 3D will do a whole lot for the movie, but 
just the fact that they're doing a third one and Kate Beckinsale is coming back shows that she has belief in the franchise, and on top of that, she feels that it will be successful. But wouldn't be anything without a little bit of Transformer news. Paramount is considering producing Transformers 3 in, wait for it, 3D. So, Clash of the Titans, 3D. Transformers 3, 3D. Underworld 3, 3D. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, 3D. It's all going to be in 3D. I think, I think you're going to have 3D glasses on 24-7. They ought to just make them prescription and you wear them to work. And everybody either looks red or blue. Because everything, everything is in fucking 3D. Don't get me wrong. Transformers 3 or Transformers in general would do really good in 3D. Period. As much as you hate the Transformers movies, the special effects would look good in 3D. And with that, we got a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, what's up, man? It's Poison. What's going on? What's up, dude? What do you got? Nah, man. What's up with all this 3D junk? I mean, all right, 3D is cool. Yeah, yeah, Avatar, so on and so forth. But... They're going to sell this out so quick, it's not even funny. I, I don't think 3D is going to last that long. I, I give it a month or two, and then it's just going to be garbage. You're, you know, Besides them giving you glasses, they're going to give you, like, barf bags. It's going to be, like, that bad. I mean, the, the whole concept that everybody wants to put everything is 3D. I mean, you have people wanting 3D TVs now. You want everything in 3D. This is, it's going to be absolute garbage to the point that, actually, I have a f- few people that uh, I work with that can't stand 3D. Uh, ones that wear glasses and all that. I mean, they come out of there, you know, puking their asses off. Either that or they got, like, some stupid seizure because of it. You know, it's I, I don't understand, that, you know, what's this whole 3D concept and why is it the biggest thing in the world well you know what it is i think and here's what happens avatar making a billion dollars yeah it's 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 a big number and it's fantastic but one of the things that should have an asterisk next to it is the fact that ticket prices for titanic and ticket prices for avatar are totally different when titanic came out i worked in a movie theater the movie, the ticket price was between seven and eight bucks. It was four dollars for an early show. I think it was eight dollars for a standard show. Now, if you're watching the movie in 3D IMAX, it's fifteen bucks a ticket. If you're watching it in standard IMAX, it's at least thirteen fifty. While you know it's a couple of bucks in real world terms, you add that across the board, you are going to hit a billion dollars. So what's happening is. People that make these, these, these grandiose productions, you know, Clash of the Titans, movies that cost a lot of money, they're figuring, we're going to make it back by just making the shit in 3D. Because if you notice, the only movies that are really being pushed in 3D are the ones that are guaranteed to make a fuckload of money. Absolutely. But, I mean, <laughs> Transformers in 3D, I don't know, to be honest with you. I think you. Transformers in 3D would be the most, the most logical step. I mean, most of the special effects, if, if, you, if you've seen the second Transformers, do yourself a favor and pick up 
go to Walmart and pick up what's called the big screen edition. One of the things that happened when Transformers 2 was released was the fact that the big screen edition was shot in IMAX. The better part of the movie, the battle with Optimus Prime and the Decepticons was shot in IMAX, as was the desert battle. And you will see that the IMAX filmmaking makes a huge difference. Okay. De- definitely, definitely the best way is, especially if you've got a big TV and, and, a big, and a good sound system, you'll see the difference. And, you know, it's the same thing with The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, though, the, the IMAX scenes were released in every version. The Transformers 2, you're going to have to pick up in Walmart. But you'll see the IMAX medium is fine. It's the 3D medium that bothers me because the, the, it's just going to require you to buy more shit. Because when you get these new TVs that are 3D, you're going to need to buy new glasses. And when I tested the, the Sony ones, the glasses are $100 a pair. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm sorry, that's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous, my friend, but you know what? They're going to try and make it seem so mandatory that in order for you to enjoy this stuff, you got to get it, that we're all going to do it. Uh, I mean, it it is drawing a new crowd, but, you know, you're also, you're already killing your lifeline with, you know, a much more mature crowd, you know, to, uh, you know, for instance, 11-year-old will think, oh, my God, 3D, amazing thing. You know, all right, you, you get someone in your mid-20s, oh, my God, 3D, amazing things. You start getting up to, like, your 40s, 50s, your 60s, and hardcore movie lovers still getting to this 3D stuff. It's like, uh, that, that, that's when you start, uh, you know, losing people on that. Because, like, well, I, I would probably you are right. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm saying you are right. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, it's. I mean, they want to make money. That's fine. They make money, but you know, you make money the right way. I mean, fine. You want to make it 3D? Fine. Let, let, let's see how good it's going to be in 3D. But the fact that everybody is pushing out 3D now, I mean, that's like okay. You know, it's you got to relax on this. You know, you you got to keep it as you know that. When 3D first came out, for instance, you know, on the movies, it was exclusive. Like, you would have to make it the best thing in mankind. That was the only thing that really was like, you know, Shrek, 3D, oh my god, you know, this is the exclusive one out of all because it's in 3D. You're not going to get that anymore because it's going to be played out, oh yeah, it's another movie in 3D, oh, this movie in 3D, oh, okay, it's like, (laughs) what next? They're going to make things, you know... Yeah, they're going to make like the English patient in 3D. <laughs> no, you, you. I mean, you're right, but it's all about the dollar signs and the fact that you know they're making so much more money in overhead on on, on 3D productions is is ridiculous. On top of the fact that when they release it on home video, you're gonna need the 3D glasses, so you're gonna want to buy the special 3D version. It's it, it's all about the dollars, and it's not so much about the quality of the film. Don't get me wrong, Transformers isn't the greatest franchise in the world and doesn't tell the greatest stories, but in terms of making money, it does. That's true, but it's going to flatline. It's going to flatline because it's going to come to a point that, you know, 3D right now is a hype, so they're going to see a big spike in their pockets. But, you know, once it becomes the norm, not so much. It's going to be, you know, a, a regular movie kind of a thing. And then what else are they going to be, what else are they going to be stuck with? 
they they can't go back to regular. Oh yeah, let, let's keep it as a regular movie, not 3D thing. You know, it's you know you can't start backtracking. It's you know, so it's no, I they, agree. They're, they're, they're 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 kind of uh, letting all their tricks out of their bag, you know, prematurely, instead of understanding how to keep something, you know, with with a great hype. You know, 3D is awesome, you know, in, in certain movies, but you know, when you start advertising everything in 3D, it's like, what's so good about it now? It's like, all right. Yeah, the novelty is gonna be lost. Yeah. No, you're right, dude. But, uh, you know, besides that, I just wanted to leave that as a closing argument. That's it. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thanks for the call. All right, man. All right, later. All right. Later. You know, he, he, you know, he brings up a valid point, and that's the fact that there is a uh, – there, there's going to be a, a spike in profit just on the basis that it, it's going to be 15 bucks a seat. And – Movie theaters are going to see a spike in revenue because they're going to, of course, use it and upgrade their hardware to 3D technology. There's going to be definitely a lot of spikes across the board. But in, in going back to what he was saying, it, the novelty is going to wear off. It's going to be something where it's not going to be a special occasion. It's going to be every movie, and, and it's not going to help. I mean, a movie like Transformers in 3D, that's fine. Um, Harry Potter, eh, not so much. Even Underworld, for that matter, wouldn't really benefit from the 3D treatment. I think movies like Transformers that use heavy special effects, a lot of interaction, um, a lot of shooting, a lot of things blowing up, because Michael Bay loves to blow shit up, that stuff is going to benefit from the 3D treatment. Other movies, not so much. I, I, animated movies will always do good in 3D, just because it's a, it's a, it's a nice thing to see. But Overall, it's, it's going to be saturated and watered down, and I don't think it's going to last. It, that, that's just how I see it. I think that in the future, I'll probably be complaining about not enough movies that aren't in 3D. That's what's going to happen. But nonetheless, let's move on, because we could spend fucking two hours on this shit. Nonetheless, Bleeding Cool reported that they are doing a sequel to Watchmen. Deadline Hollywood spoke to a quote-unquote well-placed insider who had the following to say. There's no truth to anything related to a movie sequel, not a chance by a long shot. With regards to the comics, well, I guess anything is possible. I'll keep my opinion to myself as to whether it's a smart idea to do so. So, some sites are saying they're going with it. Some sites are saying they aren't. But, the most interesting thing is, Watchmen has been considered a disappointment by Warner Brothers. And... It only made $185.3 million worldwide. The film had a budget of 130. I wouldn't really call it a total disappointment. Yeah, you know, it made uh, an extra $55.3 million, $55 million over budget. But you've got to take into account that was really a niche, niche movie to make. Watchmen is one of those... It's like doing a movie about... Let's go really niche... It's like doing a movie about the Centurions. The Centurions is a, is a late 80s cartoon about three guys that wore exosuits that had different um, attachments beamed down from a satellite. Um, each um, suit would be applicable to a different element, water, uh, land, air, very niche. If I said to you, oh, they're going to do a Centurions movie, 
and it's going to be fantastic and blah, 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 blah. The first thing you tell me is, what the fuck are the Centurions? That's number one. Number two, it's, it's such a niche thing that only a, lot of, a, a certain group of people would enjoy it. Me being a fan of anything comic book related, I try and support most comic book projects. But Watchmen is very niche. There's a lot of people that have read the graphic novel and they swear that it's one of the greatest works uh, put out by DC. Some people beg to differ. Nonetheless, people that are fans of Watchmen are a very small group. Small in the sense that they can pay $185.3 million. But also, you've got a lot of casual moviegoers. I know a lot of people who saw Watchmen, um, you know, I lent it to them or things of that nature, and they were like, you know, it was really good, but it was too long, the story was too deep, certain characters weren't engaging, blah, blah, blah. And I tell them, you know, you've got to read the graphic novel to appreciate it. They read the graphic novel, they come back, and some of them actually tell me that they considered the movie better than the graphic novel. Eh, make of that what you will. But the fact is that it's very niche, and I appreciate the fact that Warner Brothers took the opportunity to make such a niche movie. And it was successful. To me, an extra $55 million is, is decently successful. Don't get me wrong, it's not fucking Avatar money or Titanic money or Dark Knight money, but still, it, it's, it's, a nice amount, it's a nice amount of change. Not to mention the fact that they're not factoring in um, home video sales. The Watchmen Blu-ray is one of the most constantly highly rated Blu-rays in any article about, you know, must-own Blu-rays. Watchmen is in there, sometimes number one, sometimes in the top five. The movie's a solid film, and I think that when you go into the argument that the movie wasn't successful, you've got to look at who the key audience was. It was R-rated, so it's definitely not attracting the kid audience, which they should have been prepared for because the subject matter was very mature. That's number one. Number two, once again, a niche book. Same thing with the 300. If you haven't read the book, you're going to watch it just on, based on the trailer and the fact that it looked really cool. That's how it is. It's unfortunate that it's considered a disappointment and it bothers me to read it just because I thought the movie was very good. I don't know if it deserves a sequel, but I definitely think it was very good. All right. Got a couple people on hold. Caller, you're on the air. Yo. What's up? Welcome back. Yeah, what's up, man? I, I didn't got? know if I was in the queue or not. Um, <clears throat> going back to the whole 3D thing for a second, uh, just adding on to what Poison was saying, not so much you know, that it's going to be beaten into the ground. It's worse than that. Too much technology is coming out at once. Because right. going back to the time where you and I were in the Sony store, we sat there and we looked at the 3D TV. Looks great. Right. Problem was well, you can't I watch it too much. Yeah, I got a headache, so I couldn't watch it too much. Then we went over to the the freaking 240 uh, hertz TV and watched the beginning of Transformers 2. I'm like, just looking at that compared to how the the movie looks, you know, normally. 
you really think about the difference in picture quality and all that. People are going to be like, why am I spending extra money on a 3D TV? This right. looks insane right here. Just looking at this looks insane. It looks like I'm almost watching a different movie. Yep, because it was. Even even you, and, and you know, you're 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 one of the you're one of the people that really doesn't like the the Transformer movies. Even you were impressed with the visuals. You're like, wow, that's pretty fucking nice. And I'm like, any movie that has a lot of special effects or a lot of action benefits just from having the the TV with the enhanced frame rates. Well, that is true, but I think the fact is that the 3D, the 3D technology, and you know, it goes back to what Poison said and what you're saying now. It, it should be saved for 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 movies that really can benefit from it the most. I think Iron Man would be good in 3D. I think that the A lot Incredible Hulk would be good in 3D. Would have been good in 3D. It's just the way it is. But what I'm saying is, 3D right now needs to stay in theaters. It doesn't need to come home. Yep. Because you have those enhanced frame rate TVs that are pulling off these amazing pictures. I mean, they've been in stores for years now. I'm thinking back to all the demos I've seen. You have the demo of freaking Batman Begins, the, the, the scene where they're chasing a Batmobile down the highway. You have the demo of King Kong when he's fighting the two T-Rexes. You got the demo from, I forget which one, but the, the Harry Potter demo when he's running from the dragon. Just, they showed, like, they'll do a split screen and show, this is what the normal picture looks like. This is what it looks like at 120 hertz or 240 hertz. And it's like night and day. It's like you're looking at a different movie, even though you're looking at the same damn picture at the same time. And... I mean, these TVs, compared to just a regular uh, 60 hertz TV, these TVs cost dough. Yep. And then you go up to the 3D TVs. I mean, how much was that TV again? That TV didn't even have a sticker on it, but I remember the guy when I went to see it um, with Andrea, he said that it was going to be – he said it was probably going to – Teeter along six grand, seven grand. That shit was like a that was like a a forty something inch TV. It wasn't even that big. Yep. Like fuck. That's what happens. And and then for the glasses, a hundred bucks a pop. Yep. You know that. Because you're saying it. It's absurd, man. It is absurd. Unless they're giving. I mean, first of all, they're gonna have to at least give one pair free. You get actually you two gotta, pairs. He said you get, when I was asking him, because I asked him a couple questions, he said you're going to get two pairs with the set. And any additional pair is going to run uh, at 100 $100 will probably be the highest level. I'm more than sure there's going to be different quality glasses. You're going to have some that are going to be, you know, higher quality, lower quality, better frames. You know, you're going to have the Oakley-looking ones. You're going to have all that shit, so... I'm more than sure there'll be twenty dollars three D glasses, and you know they're gonna be like, oh, the twenty dollars ones aren't as good as the as the hundred dollars ones. You know how it goes. Yeah, the the Mad Cats ones. <laughs> right, right, right. That's that's exactly it. You know they're they're gonna uh, you know Monster Cable's gonna put out a, a set of three D glasses, and the Best Buy shills are gonna try and get you to buy them for three hundred and fifty bucks. 
because they're going to give you the best 3D picture ever. You know the deal. You, you go out there and you shop. You know what time it is. Yeah. And then, with, like I said, it's like the 3D, it, it's something that Poison was right. It, it's getting overdone already. And we really, I mean, what we have, there's really only one big movie that, that was in 3D. It's just that the popularity of it and the fact that it got it a freaking Oscar nomination, which to me... And a billion dollars. And a billion dollars, because that's pretty big. And a freaking buttload of money. It was like, everybody's jumping on the dick. Yep. I was like, there's, I think they need to at least reserve... 3D filming for like movies that are either over the top or have just visual subject matter that's like going to be larger than life. Something like Transformers should be 3D. Something like Avatar should should be 3D. Something like Harry Potter probably should not be 3D. The next Mr. Bean so. movie should not be 3D. Nope, but I guarantee you it may happen. Exactly. I mean, there's movies that I can think of, like you said, the niche movies. People people wonder why they don't make these these humongous um, payouts and shit. I mean, you gotta you gotta think about your audience. You gotta think about. I said this one time before, like. Is your audience even gonna be able to grasp the concept of the movie? You got that that um, show I told you about a few weeks ago, Evangelion. Right. This is a movie that they've been trying to make for about thirteen to fifteen years now. Yep. Never came out. Probably never will come out. Because aside from the fact that you have three giant robots fighting, what is it? 15 giant monsters over the course of 26 episodes, the subtext of the show, like the the whole concept of it, is what's going to have people saying, oh, fuck this. Mind you, you well, have right. giant, giant robots fighting giant monsters. People still aren't going to go see it. We'll see what happens. I think that it's one of those things where it's it's going to be fun, but the novelty is going to wear off faster than they expect, and they're going to get burned. Yeah, somebody's going to make a really huge fucking 3D movie, and they're going to be like, this is going to be the greatest 3D of all time, and nobody's yep. going to see it. Be like, yep, Fuck it's going to be a 3D Ishtar. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. Oh, with that said, enough of this 3D bullshit. Let's wrap this up. All right, man. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Of course, with all the things that are uh, always prevalent in the movie section, it's always sequels. It's always the the theme is always going to be it seems sequels and 3D. That seems to be the theme for the next few weeks. In keeping with that, Variety reported that we're getting another Fast and the Furious movie. That's right. The movie you love so much, more car porn. Fast and the Furious will be getting its fifth sequel. It will be called Fast Five. Of course, Vin Diesel and Paul Walker will be returning, as is director Justin Lin. 
The plot for the fifth film will find Dom and Brian as fugitives being persuaded by relentless lawmen. Last year's Fast and Furious was the most successful film in the franchise. It earned $350 million worldwide. Production for Fast Five will begin later this year, and it will be released in 2011. I like what Slick uh, typed in the chat. He actually said that the next Fast and Furious movie will be in 3D. Sadly, there's no mention of it. But wait a little, wait a little longer, and maybe next week or the week after when I do the show, they, <laughs> they'll say they're going to do Fast Five in 3D. And it wouldn't be complete without some Spider-Man news. Of course, for those of you that know about the upcoming Percy Jackson and the Olympians, um, rumors are going around that the lead, Logan Lerman, that's the worst name ever, Logan Lerman, maybe related to Thurman Merman, but nonetheless, um, the lead from Percy Jackson and the Olympians is up for the role of Peter Parker in the reboot of the Spider-Man franchise. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter ended up adding an additional update saying that Logan Lerman hasn't been given an offer and no serious discussions have happened with him regarding the Spider-Man role. Sony's still looking at actors who could fit the bill of a high school teen and is compiling a list, and Lerman is on that list. In addition to Lerman on that list, another rumored possibility for Peter Parker is the one and only Zac Efron. So you got Percy Jackson, the guy, the lead in that, and Zac Efron as guys that are mentioned as potential Spider-Man for, uh, well, Spider-Man reboot Peter Parker's. So I figured I would close out the movie segment with that wonderful nugget of information. So it's either Percy Jackson or Zac Efron. So you guys make that what you will. Uh, by all means, if you want to discuss that or any of the other topics, um, before we wrap it up, 347-324-3541 of the Magic Digits. Feel free to call in to discuss that. Any of the MMA talk, pro wrestling, or video game talk that we've had throughout this evening's broadcast. With that said, I want to take the opportunity and, of course, thank the callers that have called in, give out a couple of plugs because there are a lot of them that um, work and collaborate with My Take Radio to make it what it is. Uh, definitely a shout-out to Rachel at MMAHotStuff.com for her lead-in, as well as for um, being supportive of My Take Radio. She will be on probably at the end of the month. In addition, um, check out her other project, MMAsocialites.com. Definitely an awesome website. She has some really great interviews with a lot of fighter wives on there discussing um, some of the upcoming fights as well as just their daily living with their husbands that are professional fighters. Of course, a shout-out to MrMMA.com. Props to the crew for Darksiders, Darksiders.com, of course. HaydenDalton.wordpress.com is Hayden's website. Uh, Brooks Macbeth is MySpace.com slash BrooksTheComedian or slash BrooksMacbeth. Uh, VGNRadio.com for always uh, trying to support My Take Radio, whether through commercials or letting me guest on some of their shows. And before I run through the rest of the plugs, looks like we got another call in. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, what's up? It's Rob, Dark Helmet. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, um, while listening to the video game news, I noticed you didn't make a mention of the new Fallout teaser, which just premiered. I actually was watching that on mute on my laptop. I was going to leave that for the site, but by all means, what do you have regarding it? 
All I can say is it looks incredible. If you, if anyone hasn't seen it, go see it. I mean, if you like Fallout, I mean, damn. That's all I can say so far is it, damn. Is this another expansion or is this a, a, a separate, separate title? No, this is um, for Fallout New Vegas. It's going to be completely unrelated to Fallout 3. It's just the next one in the series. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's actually a re- really cool. Yeah, I'm, and it, it said Fall 2010, so Fallout fans have something to look forward to. There you go. Do you think that it's going to be, um, in terms of just the, the play style, you think they're going to stick with the same play style? Because I actually checked out Fallout 3 a little bit, and I wasn't really sure about the first-person shooter-slash-RPG element. I don't know if I have really a love or a hate for it, but it's definitely not something I can see myself playing. I mean, obviously, you're, you, play, you play the game. So, you know, g- give me a little insight on it. Do you think it's something that, you know, takes a little getting used to, or...? It takes a little practice. I mean, if you've played, like, Oblivion, then it's the same setup. You get a little, you get used to it, and then you can just customize your character however you want him, add more to, like, big guns if you want to have your guy looking around, like, basically machine guns, or if you want to use pistols, whatever you want to use. Oh, okay. Is yeah. It, um, so, so you'd say Knights, more like Knights of the Old Republic and Oblivion in terms of gameplay. Basically, except with guns. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, cool. All right, I'm going to see if I can uh, get the trailer and post it on the site. All right, that is all. That's the one thing I wanted to talk about. All right, buddy. Thanks for your call. Uh, absolutely, man. Peace. Later. All right, now we got some more calls coming in. Paula, you're on the air. Is that me? I guess that's you. <laughs> What's up, it's Anderson. What's up, Anderson? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays on the Blog Talk Radio Network at 10 p.m. Oh, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> what do you got, my friend? I, I was going to, I wanted to ask you about uh, something that I, I, I think you overlooked from Raw this past week, and that is... I, um, overlooked, a lot, I overlooked a lot from Raw this week. I mean, <laughs> Shatner was good, but I tried to overlook a majority of it, but... What what do you have to add? <laughs> the fact that Vince McMahon once again attacked a stroke victim. What is that going is on true. with that? You know what it is. The set. Uh, this is the setup for it. It's gonna probably be Vince McMahon in Batista's corner, and John Cena with Bret Hart in his corner. Oh. That's what it's gonna be, and it's probably gonna end with WrestleMania with Vince McMahon in the sharpshooter and the and the crowds going nuts. You know, it, it's it's so fucking predictable that that's why I didn't even... I'm like, you know, this is where this is going to lead. Because Batista wasn't going to powerbomb Bret Hart. He's, he'd probably have another stroke. Right. Right. The excellence of execution would have got fucking executed in the ring. It, it, just, it, just, it just seemed weird. Like, don't you think somebody would have came out? You know what I mean? Somebody should have. Oh, yeah, somebody would have said it. But, you know, they didn't. It's cool. It's just, it's just it, lame, you know? It's just like, okay, here we go. He did it again. Nobody's coming out. No big deal. Now Batista's holding him. Like, you need to hold him, you know? Like, yeah, you it's like you're hold holding him. a guy who's, a, who's nearly a vegetable. Right, right. So, But he looked like he was, he was really uh, laying into McMahon there for a second, which is pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. 
there definitely was, you know what it is, there's definitely a lot of animosity, and it's one thing I've learned in watching Raw the last few weeks, you kind of know whose promos are written, or, you know, the writers write their promos, and who goes out there and does it on the fly. You know, like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels' promo when they kind of settled their beef was, as, yeah. was, was, was real. That shit wasn't written, there was, it wasn't rehearsed, it was them going out there and they're like, look, you're a fuck, I hate you, I hate you. But you know what? We're professionals and we're bigger than this. That's it. That's how it goes. Now, what about um, what do you think about the whole uh, recreation of the screw job on TNA? Uh, it's it's just TNA trying to fucking gain. You know what? what when I wrote the that? article for T. Oh well, here here's where here's my setup for that. When oh. I wrote the article for when I wrote the article for TNA this week. I thought about that, and I really wanted to reference it because I really felt that you're doing a disservice to your promotion by constantly acknowledging the other guy. You know, there's no necessity for you to always be WWE this, Vince McMahon that, Triple H is an asshole. It it doesn't – you're not creating controversy like that. You want to create controversy, have members of the TNA roster sitting in the stands during Raw. That's controversy. You know, do something, do something more on those lines. Not the, you know, not the safe things. You know, don't attack safe targets. You know, if you want, like, if you want to go back, remember D-Generation X driving to WCW and doing the whole thing of let my people go? Right. Or Rick Rude appearing on WCW and on Monday Night Raw? Or Eric Bischoff reading that Mick Foley won the belt. That's controversy. That's shit that, you know, is going to end up on every dirt sheet. It's going to end on everything, you know? Right. I mean, you, it, 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 what, recreating that whole event was, was kind of like when they come out and they say, oh, well, Vince McMahon, if you're so bad, you'll meet me at the next pay-per-view and we'll settle this one-on-one. It's like, you know he's not going to come. You know, nope. he, he, he's not even going to acknowledge it. He's not, you know, they're just going to keep doing their own thing because they don't care. You're That's just, how it, it is. They're going to, you run. know, you're knocking on the door of a house and there ain't nobody home. Nobody can't, you know what it is? WWE views them as such small potatoes. They're like, you guys are so fucking amateur. That's what they're going to do. They're like, ugh. You know, like, like, I'm more than sure WWE acknowledges them. And, you know, they're like, all right, these guys might have a problem. But the fact of the matter is, that they're not doing anything that WWE hasn't seen. Right. They have to do something like like Hulk Hogan calling into Rob Van Dam's show yesterday. That was a ballsy thing. Yeah. Because everybody's really, listening. Yeah, I saw that. I'm going to listen to that next. Dude, it was it was crazy. You know, Hogan's like, hey, brother, it's me. I'm like, holy shit. It's Hogan. <laughs> you know, and he really and he really called in, and, and, and Rob's like, so you're moving TNA to Mondays? And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe. And he's like, are you coming over? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, well, and Hogan, of course, you know, he got a name drop because it wouldn't be Hogan. He's like, you know, well, I've been talking with Jeff Hardy, and we got this really cool storyline. I think that if you came in, man, you could, you could do some serious damage. And, and I really appreciated the ballsiness of that because yeah. not for nothing, Rob Van Dam mentioned a few weeks ago that they deactivated his WWE Universe account because he goes and he posts on WWE.com, and oh. they deactivated it because they thought he signed with TNA. Rob Van Dam appearing for TNA would definitely rub WWE the wrong way. Right. That's, uh, that's what that would send a message to him. 
Yeah, that, that would send a message. They'd be like, oh, okay, guess not. You know, but if you go and you sign, like, cast-offs and guys, you know, like, they signed Brian Kendrick. He's a good wrestler. No one gives a fuck about him. Right. You know, they signed Kennedy, all right. Jeff Hardy appearing uh, on Monday night was fine, but we haven't seen him since. You know, it's a right. step in the right direction, but it's not it's, – it, you're not showing me anything crazy, which is, which is what worries me. Well, well, you know, his name now is Mr. Anderson. Yeah, well, because that they, they he had to, he had Powerful. to use it, and and it doesn't it doesn't sound the same. I mean, he's smart because it's his real name, and he's going just by Mr. Anderson, so TNA can own the name Mr. Anderson. But yeah. the fact of the matter is that until he goes in there and he start, he has consistently good matches. Right now. He's just a mouthpiece with a microphone. Yeah. That's it. He's not, you know, Mr. Kennedy's cool, but he's not, you know, he's not killing it for me right now. The guy who I wrote about is the Pope. The Pope D'Angelo De Niro, that guy has um, serious talent. They're really going to drop yeah. the ball if they don't do something with that dude because that guy has all the tools. He's, oh, no, he's definitely, he's got, he's got mic skills. He's got ring skills. He's got, I mean, yeah. He knows yeah, the kid's it. got it, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and they didn't really use him that well when they had him on in WWE when he was Elijah Burke. Yep, when he was in ECW, it. when he was in ECW, I remember he was with Sylvester Turkey first, That's and he was the mouthpiece for Turkey, and right. then they put him with the with the with the the new generation dudes in ECW, and and that started to look promising, and then they just fucking they dropped the ball with him. Right, they decided to take Ron the Truth instead. Yeah, and look how that's turned out. Oh, real successful that is. What's up? Yeah, what's up with fucking K Quick? Like, I, I can barely I can barely see that guy in a dark room. Dude, I, right. and I'm a, and I'm a fan of his. You know, he's a he's a good he's a good wrestler, but he's he's yeah. it's like that gimmick is so tired. That hype man hip hop gimmick is so old. It's right. like yo. Up with some new shit, man. Where where's some regular tights? How about that? We'll start with that. Well, I mean, come on. He's just keeping it real. Yeah, he's, he's keeping it real in 1996. <laughs> hey, hey, it works for vanilla ice. Yeah. Vanilla. Well, right. No. Never mind. No. <laughs> no. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, I think I should leave with that one. Fair enough. Right. There you go. Don't listen to my show. Catch Anderson's show on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Block Talk Radio Network. Cool, cool. Thank you, sir. Yeah, All right, guys. buddy. Good evening. Good show. All right, bro. Thanks, man. Peace. Oh, yeah. Peace. All right. Thanks for your call, Anderson. Let me just wrap up the rest of the plugs because that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, like I was saying, shout out to VGN Radio. Um, Beadcrafts from... Uh, dementia from the MySpace video game forums. She does great video game sprites. Definitely stop by her shop, etsy.com/shop/royaltresses. Um, shout out to Cleveland Sports Radio. I pop up on there time to time to do their MMA segment. Born Stubborn Radio, of course, for their commercials, and I've been on their show a few times. 411 Mania for the news. OCRemix.org for the music. E10 Clothing. They got a nice little. Uh, collection of upcoming shirts that look really promising. MMA Junkie for always keeping it real with the MMA news. Uh, Filmdrunk.com for just delivering movie news bullshit free. 
And with that, that's the end of the show for this week. If you'd like to contact me via Twitter or whatever, MySpace, Facebook, uh, for Twitter, you can follow me personally, twitter.com slash akuma25, A-K-U-M-A-2-5. That is my personal. I write about a whole bunch of random shit. And to follow things just dedicated to the show, it's going to be twitter.com slash mytakeradio, together, one word. Uh, MySpace, you can go to myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And if you're on Facebook, look us up on Facebook and show your love and become a fan on the Facebook fan page. And, of course, if you'd like to be a guest, fill out the guest inquiry form on mytakeradio.com, and we'll have you on. And last but not least, Feel free to stop by the My Take Radio forums, hang out, talk about some games, some movies, some comics, some PC shit, and a ton of other nerd stuff. Definitely stop by there for sure. And with that, we are going to close out this week's episode of My Take Radio. Uh, this is the 29th episode for Thursday, February 4th, 2010. Next week is episode 30. On uh, the 18th, I will be joined by the editor of girlgamer.com. We'll be talking about a uh, little bit, definitely pick her brain about some of the G4 TV uh, women that uh, are quote-unquote video game fans. We'll also talk gaming along with a host of other shit. So that's something to look forward to for the 18th. And um, hopefully I will have some other guests lined up to wrap up the month of February. And with that, it's the end of the show, folks. I'm out. Thanks for listening. Have yourselves a good night. Peace.